comic timing is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network, Network bitch. <laughs> Print it. Welcome to episode 149 of Comic Timing, a comics podcast devoted to the average comic book fan from the average comic book fan. Join in as Brent Casino, rotating panel with guests, and myself, Ian Levisine, as whoever comes to mind, time after time, here on Comic Timing. With one to go till 150, Brent and I are joined by Adam Withers and Comfort Love. We discuss. Hello! Hello! We discuss Rainbow in the Dark, as well as some of our latest comic book news, my trip to Japan. And some other fun stuff. Here now, Comic Timing. Hey there, folks. My name's Ian Levisine, and welcome to episode 149 of Comic Timing. We are back right before, well, not right before, the year 2013 is a close. And Mr. Brick Casina is enjoying the rest of 2013. Aren't you, sir? I am enjoying it. Good. You better be, since you have nothing doing at work, so you get to sit there and do nothing. I am off work on oh. holiday. Woohoo! Lucky you! Rest of the year? Yes. Nice. Nice. What are you going to do? Sit and lounge around and catch up on Netflix shit? Absolutely, sir. <laughs> nice. Any particulars in mind? Uh, season three of The Killing, as probably terrible as it is. <laughs> I've, I've, heard, I've heard mixed things about it. I've heard it's not that bad. Well, considering the first season was really, really great, and then you got to the end of the season finale, mm-hmm. and then you thought it was this guy, and that's where it ended, and then the beginning of season two, they were like, nah, it wasn't him, and it was kind of like, okay, why did we waste the whole season on this one guy? It it would be kind of like if uh, if if Dexter was caught at the end of season two, and then uh, season three starts, and he's walking around Miami. Yes, and season two just went downhill from there after that revelation, it was kind of like... Well, it's not really worth your time, so good luck. So yeah, well. That's well, where well on, the bright, on the bright side, you still only have like six more episodes left of that, thanks to Netflix. So, yeah, right. stick in there, stick in there. Adam Withers and Comfort Love join us on Comic Timing for the first time in a while. Yeah, we do. It's been a while. <laughs> I can't remember what? the last time since exactly, but... I know it was a delight, and so when we were finishing up Rainbow here and actually putting it out, we were like, Ian, I know you've read the book a bunch of times because you're an editor on it. <laughs> How about some comic timing action? Well, why the hell not? And uh, and you finish out the first 150 episodes of the show with your presence, so feel, feel, feel honored in that. And we will be discussing Rainbow in the Dark, uh, as well as uh, some other stuff, Adam and Comfort related, and general comic stuff, as you heard in the intro, so that'll be good times. But before we do that, as usual, Comic Timing is sponsored by Discount Comic Book Service at DCBService.com, where you can get the best discounts on comic books around, and this month is not an exception to that rule. Wolverine number one. The relaunch of Wolverine, possibly as him as a villain, according to Marvel, but who knows whether they're actually telling the truth. 50% off for a buck ninety-nine. Superman Lois Lane, number one. I'm upset that it's called Superman Lois Lane and not like Lois Lane, Superman's girlfriend or something like that, like the old <laughs> days. 50% off for two forty-nine. Astro City through Open Doors hardcover is 50% off. You got a Dexter comic coming out. I mentioned it without even realizing that. 50% off for a uh, buck ninety-nine, 
and a whole bunch of bundles. We've got, uh, I believe they're still doing their image bundle for 1746. You get a bunch of new issues of image comics and all hardcovers at Marvel and DC. Trades and hardcovers are 50% off this month. Use the promo code CT8 to get an additional 8% off on your first order with Discount Comic Book Service. And they will continue to sponsor us, and we will be happy to have them. Thank you for your support, DCBS. Yes. Could I add that those people are awesome? Cameron and um, his wife and the whole family. His whole crew. Zach. DCBS. Yeah. Stand up people. Yeah. Super stand, stand up, up people. people. Yeah. I, we I, love I, them. <laughs> I, I, the, from the interaction I've had with them uh, both at uh, at Super Show and uh, once or twice at New York Comic Con, they've seemed like really, really nice folks, and they've never they've never done anything. Uh, to the uh, to the otherwise uh, to comic timing, so yeah, I very much am happy to have them board. Yeah, they've been huge supporters of us. Uh, we would I don't know if we would have made such fantastic numbers with our pre-orders if they hadn't put such a huge discount on Rainbow. Yeah, and oh. and that 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 discount was insane. <laughs> it yeah. was. It really was. <laughs> yeah, it's still available. I think for like twenty two dollars or something on DCBS, mm-hmm. like. Now Which that they've still got it, but pretty hearty. Yeah, it's still yeah. pretty, you know, hearty discount. But man, those guys, go support them. There are comic shop. Is it on uh, DCBS or in stock trades? In stock. It's on in stock trades. Gotcha. And I think it's uh twenty-two dollars. Like I said, uh, I'm looking it up. Uh, twenty-two forty-nine. Cool. So. All right. Well, thank him for that. And uh, Brent, what were you saying when you got cut off there? I was gonna say it's Sorry. a shame they've only been nice to you once or twice at New York Comic Con. <laughs> I've only seen them once year. or twice. Oh, oh, oh! Sorry, I thought you were saying like you know, that's good enough for you. Like you can see Ian six times, but if you're nice once or twice, that's good enough for Ian. Honestly, that's the way I roll. You know, I fully expect people to just come up to me and be like, "Sup, motherfucker!" The rest of the times, so it's all good. <laughs> So uh, let's let's talk uh, Adam and Comfort first. Uh, you guys have been have got a lot of stuff going on of late. Uh, in particular, on the Rainbow side, uh, it's out in stores now. It, it is, is indeed. It's so fancy. We keep getting photos and stuff of it being in stores and emails from people being like, "I found this. It's great." <laughs> and yeah. that happened before, but it's happening at a far higher frequency. Right. Yeah, it's it's been a very interesting journey for us uh, to get here the first time, go through all the the whole process of the distribution dealing and, mm-hmm. and, and calling the stores and trying to pitch to them why it's worth carrying Rainbow and all this. As a matter of fact, uh, Ian and his lady Chris went with us all around New York visiting comic shops so on, I think it was the Wednesday before New York Comic Con. Yeah, it was the Wednesday. Yeah. It was Wednesday. We did we... Our, our New York Comic Shop tour. Yep. Yeah, and we hit up uh, Midtown Comics, uh, Jim Hanley's, Forbidden Planet, and there was one other in there. Oh, Monacy. Monacy Comics. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, that's it, it's great to be able to do a whole have you met Ted type type scenario, uh, <laughs> <laughs> walking to as many comic shops as you can. I mean, you don't always have a luxury like that, but in New York, at the walking city that it is, you can just you know start uh, all the way up and then work your way down and hit up as many as possible. Yeah, and yeah. not just that, New York loves comics in some ways like no other city loves comics. Mm-hmm. 
You know, and whether that has to do with the fact that Marvel to- Comics almost happens exclusively in New York or in space. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, they've got a long comic history uh, with Marvel and DC. And it is it is a comic city. That is for sure. Hey, 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 there's San Francisco, too. I mean, now Daredevil's moving out there. Uh, now that the X-Men have moved out. So there seems to be at least one That's superhero X-Men. presence That's in San Francisco. X-Men, X-Men is oh for God. a long time. I did not know this. It tells you how far Comfort away does from not the keep up. <laughs> no, I don't keep up on the regular Marvel and DC stuff. I yeah. have my other things that I read, you know, the other comics and such. But I get 20 minutes at night, 20 precious minutes to read when I'm not working. Nice. Yeah, post, uh, <laughs> post-schism, post, uh, well, actually, actually not post-schism, post-all-new X-Men. The Wolverine and the X-Men team are still over in Connecticut, and uh, Cyclops' team is now based out of the original Weapon X uh, location in Canada. So for the huh. most part, they're no longer at San Francisco. Oh. My lord. Yeah. Well, I do appreciate bringing in other places because I do feel like comics overall you know got a little bit too insular mm-hmm. in one area but I guess all of this is to say New York loves comics and we love New York because they love comics yeah Brent oh. visit here yeah what <laughs> <laughs> don't just fly over here man I'm sorry the meeting got moved I, I know a, I was there I was gonna do it well now that you've moved into your fancy house you can start saving money and go on a vacation absolutely alright that's exactly what I need to do good good I'm glad you agree <laughs> well now that that's settled <laughs> well actually I'll, I'll turn things over to Brett uh, real quick actually if, if he has any questions he wants to specifically ask Adam McCumber because I don't want to bogart the, all the time here so uh, Brent shoot uh, I guess it would be, you know, uh, this is all that you guys do and how you make your living and how, you know, do you, I know you're on the, it seems like you've been on the podcast circuit a lot in the yeah. last couple of years. Do you feel like comic shop owners are listening to podcasts or they're completely oblivious of the Actually, uh, subculture that is comic book podcast dumb? They do because I know that um I spent, when we were trying to drum up pre-orders for Rainbow in the Dark, which is something that you have to do. If anything goes into Diamond, you've got to get your pre-orders and then some to make sure you, you know, have a good relationship and a continuing relationship. But when I was calling comic stores for three days solid, I actually ended up uh, getting quite a few people, I would say, like, in the hundred or so i got at least 15 who were aware of us because of podcasts hmm. yeah there's a there's a fair amount of crossover i mean it's it's not all that surprising to be honest podcasts you know comic podcasts is basically comic radio and these are all most people who own comic shops didn't right. do so because they're looking to make a lot of money in a booming business <laughs> You know, they did it because they love comics. It's really the only reason to get into this business. At, so, th- at this point, yeah. Yeah, so they're there because they're fans. Right, and there's also a much more surprising amount. Like, there's still a lot of very old guard people, and when you hear them talk, you know sort of their age, and you get a sense of their background and stuff. But there was a surprising amount of, uh, you know, younger, I would say, like, in their latter 20s or mid 30s you know comic shop owner guys and there was a lot of uh female managers and there was a surprising amount of female owners 
Hmm. who've either taken over stores or started stores. The face of comics is absolutely changing, and I think, you know, having that new media of podcasts continues to be part of the important. It's helping that yeah, change take place. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's opening just, things up. It's far more instantaneous. Like you only used to have Wizard Magazine, right. and you only could get that through comic stores, and that was it. And now, and now there's uh, with with podcasts and with uh, news sites and stuff like that. There are many other ways to get your comic book information other than waiting for something to come in the freaking mail. Yes. Yeah. Oh yes. <laughs> you can be. We can be much more like up to the minute in terms of what's happening right now, mm-hmm. instead of having to wait so long to find out what the business news is. Well, and, and talking about, uh, uh, I guess, changes, uh, it is a major change for you guys to go through Diamond this time around as opposed to yeah. uh, you know, having to do it all on your own. Uh, how, how much has, uh, has that changed, the, uh, I guess, the release process for you guys, uh, actually having a distributor in there to, to help things out? Well, well, it's a lot mm, more work. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it is a lot more reward. Traditionally, well. the way that we've been doing things up to now Primarily, we did uh, digital distribution, mm-hmm. which is to say most of what we, our business was was online, uh, selling digital comics or you know, moving print comics through the print-on-demand. We use Kablam, and they have an online store, Indie Planet, and so we'd sell physical copies through them, digital copies through a ton of places, and then we would travel around a lot to conventions, right. and we could talk to comic shops in person, some on the convention circuit, but... By using print-on-demand, we could never keep our print cost well, low enough that we could give comic stores the you know 50% discount they need in order to carry the book in their 50% shelf. 50% mm-hmm. off and free shipping. Uh, but, you know, so we'd always have to tell people, like, look, you know, I would love to have our comics in your stores, but we just can't do it, not with the cost of every, you know, book. Right. Uh, and uh, for fans, they'd be like, oh, can I pick the next issue up or the next trade-up or whatever at my local comic store? And I'd have to say, no, I'm sorry, you can't. We're only available at conventions or on the Internet. But we reached a point where our sales were high enough. I mean, we, we the big drawback to offset printing is while the individual unit price is very low, you've got to buy thousands of them up front. Mm-hmm. So it's a big, it's like, you know, $10,000 to drop all at once. For offset. And that is a lot of money to just have on hand. Right, and you guys went overseas with us, right? We did, yes. yeah. You, you pretty much have to. Um, the difference in cost, we wanted to print in America very badly. That was very important to us. We priced out a lot of American printers to try and make that happen. But the difference in cost for an American printer, it was around uh what was it nine dollars ten dollars somewhere somewhere around nine or ten dollars per unit to get the rainbow omnibus printed uh if we went overseas it was around four dollars per unit. actually five so with this first print run what we're looking at is we have to be able to make a good enough profit on it to finance future print runs we're just getting started with this and we need some some money to run with so that this doesn't end here. It's the beginning of a whole new phase. The point is you have to make profit. It can't right. just we had to keep the it print low. run and... And I, that's I, it. I, yeah. In the future, 
if we can keep this running and if we start doing well enough, we'd like to move to American printers. But for now, we didn't feel like we really had a choice in the matter. Yeah, we were spending that much, like 10 grand anyway, a year on print on demand. So we figured it's time to make that jump because most of what you spend for print on demand is print cost. You get very little profit per book. Um, We can sell the Rainbow Omnibus for $15 less than the Uniques Omnibus, and we're still making more profit. Oh, yeah. For sure. I mean, not not a ton not more. Not a ton more, and especially through stores and stuff, not quite as much more because you have to sell it to Diamond at 60% off. Right. Plus free shipping. And, and, and we, also, know, we know as well as, any, as anybody that uh, price point is one of the more important things to people's uh, wallets and to their collections uh, this day and age, you know, because, I mean, you got to stay competitive on the pricing because if, you know, say if Marvel, DC, Image, so on and so forth, they're able to put Omnibuy out for in the 20s. It's it's great to be able to do something similar if you're an independent. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, one of the first things we did was uh, do comparative price checking and see what other comics with a similar page count would cost. And you know, thirty dollars is is fairly standard for a book that's pushing four hundred pages. Uh, actually, it is cheaper. Yes, I, somebody actually pointed this out to us. They they looked at the price per page breakdown and said that the Rainbow Omnibus is the cheapest comic per page that you can get right now. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, we have the thing is you have to make it really competitive. And even then, so more because people are going to buy Thor no matter what, but it's hard to take a risk on doing an indie book, no matter how great it looks, no matter how great it might read, because it's not Thor. It's not something you're familiar with. So you're trying to get people to take to jump into those waters and take that chance. And you have to make it, you know, that you can't just be affordable. as good as the other guys. No, you have, you to, have be to be way better. Right. Yeah. So we we're everything that we can do we're trying to do. Yeah. And it, price is one of those things. Definitely and I mean, you know, one of the things about uh, about diamond uh, catalogs and everything like that and I mean, you know, you know that just by listening to previous episodes uh, of of other of other shows is that uh, it's it's a really big book. <laughs> and, yes. and it's sort of impossible to read it A through Z. Unless you have like an entire day to devote to that, so it's it's probably a good idea to be near the front in one way or the other, and and it's probably a good idea to have something that uh, that is good enough to I guess maybe have that extra support by Diamond. Because I know you guys had a had a an extra what was it an extra ad or something like that? Uh, uh, yeah, no, they, they, gave they made us, us a, a featured item. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, not everyone has that luxury, but it does, no. it does benefit significantly to be closer to the front of the uh, the tome than say B B letter Z. Yeah, well, and the, and the thing that people need to understand too is that uh, DC and Marvel and Image and Dark Horse and the major publishers they get special sections at the front of the book where all their things are arranged very prettily and very nicely and very easy to find all the things you might be interested in and then everybody else is kind of dumped into the back in a giant alphabetical stew and that's half the book Mm -hmm. half of this giant tome at least is just sort of a miscellaneous pile and it is tough to get 
any attention back there. Right. Even as a featured item, you cannot be sure that anybody's going to notice or pay any attention to the rest of that mess. There's comic shops in this country uh, that only get Marvel and DC books. There's comic shops, no lie, that only get Marvel comics. They do not order anything else. <laughs> that is how conservative and cautious this market has become. As a matter of fact, we were told by Diamond the whole center of the country, for the most part, don't even bother calling them. Oh, wow. Yeah, because everything they're... from uh, Nevada to, what, Kentucky? Nevada, I would say, to Iowa yeah. is completely, you know... The, the whole point. American West. Forget yeah. it. Yeesh. Because there aren't enough stores and there, frankly, aren't enough people out there. There's states that have no comic stores. There's states that have one comic store to an entire state. Mm -hmm. Which it's, is very, very disappointing because they are in many ways a harbinger of these books that you can go get. And it's a place to go. It's a place to enjoy yourself and be uh, have a camaraderie with other people who like the same things you do. The best of the stores make an experience. And it's unfortunate that everybody's having a tough time even those great stores that really deserve success yeah well brent i i know you you're lucky enough to have uh, a bunch of great stores in in the uh, you know general orlando area and in florida as a whole uh, i mean i know you don't really buy too many uh books off of uh, off the racks anymore since you're mostly digital uh, th th there are there are a decent amount of in of indie stores in 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 the orlando area right Affirmative. Okay. Yeah. Um, I actually talked to several of them. <laughs> They're great. Do you still go in at all, Brent? No. Okay. Yeah. I figured as much since, since it wouldn't exactly make sense just to browse and then, you know, go home and buy it on digital. No, it, it doesn't really make sense at all. <laughs> Period. In yeah. The story. But when you when you did, which which stores were the were the ones that you went to in particular? Uh, Coliseum of Comics is a large chain here in Orlando. They have mm -hmm. three or four stores. I recommend ColiseumofComics.com. They have a bunch of stores, mm -hmm. and they carry a bunch of uh, Marvel and DC, and also Image and Indie and IDW. Mm -hmm. uh, the one right across from me is Epic Comics. Okay. Um, look them up on Facebook. They're they're brand new, you know, they've been around for like a year or two. How oh, cool. But they're big into doing a lot of promotions and a lot of signings. I guess the guys that run it are big, like, Power Ranger buffs. So they've had, like, the Green Ranger or Red Ranger from, like, these most recent Power Ranger shows that I don't know where people watch these anymore. But they've had signings come to the store and WWE people, you know. Power Rangers aren't still necessarily on the superstars, man. apparently. Yeah. So it's news to me. That's all I got to say. Jason David like, Frank <laughs> lives forever. I was like, oh, okay. Power <laughs> Rangers. Interesting. <laughs> Epic Comics is across from your work or across from your house? It's across from the shopping center by okay. my house and work. Sweet. Nice. So both. Yeah, that works. Brent, did you have something else you wanted to ask? Uh, I, I, I'm not sure if, uh, if you did. You know, I was thinking about this earlier, but I, I blanked. <laughs> oh, they, they, ask, oh ask, ask him the one that, uh, that I mentioned, the Amazon thing. The Amazon thing. Well, I, I just wanted to say good job, you guys, because I didn't know how you were, you know, nominated for Harvey's two years in a row and still weren't being carried by Diamond. So I think it's about damn time that somebody took notice. Well, you know, it's as much by our choice as it was by theirs. You know, right. we had to 
in order to be able to take the 60% cut that Diamond requires, mm -hmm. we had to be able to get our costs down. And we couldn't do that on print-on-demand. So we had to reach a point where we felt confident enough in our sales that we could take the huge upfront expense of offset printing in order to lower our prices across the board right. and still maintain a decent profit margin. But we were also nervous about working with Diamond, uh, very trepidatious oh, yeah. because, you know, you hear a whole lot of horror stories yes. and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it wasn't something we were interested. No. But Sarah uh, Martinez from Diamond actually saw us at New York Comic Con 2012. And she said, you know, we'd really like to have you in the book. And that got us thinking, you know, so it wasn't just us cold coming in and, uh, you know, submitting to Diamond, but sort of having an invitation and asking her questions back and forth and right. sort of getting the real information. Uh, honestly, I know there's a lot of horror stories out there, but for us working with Diamond, we had a pretty Diamond easy time, to be honest. Experience. Um, I will say that something that I, a lot of, uh, fans and creators don't necessarily appreciate is how little anybody else is ever going to do for you. Mm -hmm. um, whether you, uh, there's a lot of people who create their own books or who want to make comics, and they think once you're picked up by a publisher, you're on easy street. You know, the publisher is going to do all this grunt work for you, and you don't have to worry about it. And, but that's not true. Uh, it is exceedingly rare that a publisher will put themselves out there too heavily for you, unless you're already such a big deal that the publisher themselves benefits directly from letting everybody know that your name is attached to their brand. Right. There's only so many Bendises and Fractions out there. Exactly. exactly right. And so you're going to have to do 90% of that work anyway. Right. You know, you're going to have to do all your own marketing. You're going to have to do all your own advertising. You're going to have to do all your own cold calling. You know, Diamond put us in their catalog. They gave us the featured item listing. They did a lot of nice stuff for us, but we still had to go out there and call every comic shop we could find that had a phone number in every major market of the country. We still had to email everybody we could find to email. We still had to do a full court press to try and get awareness of our book up because as much as Diamond can do, they're not going to market our book. Right. They're not going to advertise us. They're not us. necessarily <clears throat> marketing anybody's book. And no. Diamond, the other thing that people don't quite realize is that Diamond's only taking, I would say, with the bigger guys, uh, maybe 5%. Hmm. And with people like us, 10%. And that's a real thin profit margin, especially with the time and stuff it takes to work with people. Like, we asked a lot of questions. And those emails take a lot of time to, you know, mess with. There's a lot of stuff with their shipping. They have a whole cadre of people to pay. Yeah, isn't that, isn't, so, that, isn't that less than what both iBooks and Kindle take out? Uh, yeah, percentage-wise, wow. I yeah. believe so. Huh. Interesting. The Very. difference is when you're working with Diamond as opposed to a direct digital distributor, uh, you have to. You have to take care of both the distributor and the retailer mm -hmm. in physical comics. So Diamond takes 10% for themselves. The other 50% goes to the retailer. Right. So half of everything we do 
goes into the pockets of the retailer. And then if we had, I mean, say it wasn't just the two of us, but we had a bunch of other people working for us, you know, a different colorist, another letterer, and then, you know, publisher costs all. So it eats into the profits really, really fast, really fast. Comics, it's one of the reasons that single issues are dying so quickly for a lot of smaller publishers, because it's almost impossible to make any kind of money off of them. Mm -hmm. Even if you sell a ton of them, Half of that goes to the retailer, 10% goes to the distributor, um, usually you know, a, a significant fee goes to the printer to get the things made. You know, there, There's not a lot left so out of a $3 So I guess what we're saying comic. is math, people, math. So <laughs> yeah. if you want to do this, you have to work out your math. Can you do it, make a profit, and get your order? Yeah, and don't expect that anybody's going to be doing the major work for you. Uh, one of the reasons we continue to self-publish is because, frankly, if you're going to keep having to do 90% of the work anyway, you might as well go ahead and do the extra 10% and then be able to take all of the rewards yourself and not have to share them around with a bunch of administrators and stuff. Right. Well, well, so, in other words, don't get into comics expect to be Rob Liefeld in a pair of jeans. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Oh, oh, but if only. <laughs> I, I, Adam, I believe that you, you would make a very interesting uh, ass model for a pair of jeans. <laughs> anyway. Um, so what, what is the next bastion of comics that you're going to uh, conquer now that you've conquered uh, actual regular people distribution, I guess? into the You've kind of cut into Diamond, the mainstream distributor. What's the next bastion that you're going to conquer? The next bastion is uh, going back to Uniques, which is the you know series that we also love greatly. That will own our hearts right. forever. And um, then the real next bastion is getting other people to do the artwork. Yes, because um, we cannot do multiple series and draw them all. Two of the things that we learned, maybe the two greatest lessons that we learned from Rainbow in the Dark is, first, we do not want to have to stop making uniques every time we have another idea. It's too hard. I mean, obviously, it hurts our hearts. between the two of us, we cannot produce multiple series simultaneously all on our own. Yeah. So we would have to pause anytime we had other ideas. The other thing we learned is we have too many other ideas not to make other comics. So... In the future, going forward, our, our intention, and we'll see how this works, is once we start Uniques again next year, we're not going to stop until that series is finished. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, we will also be writing other comics, but we'll be inviting other artists that we know to work with us to produce them. So we're going to expand our stable of, of production. The Comfort and Adam brand is going to broaden right. to include a lot of other things, while we are still working on uniques all right. the time. So it'll start with a webcomic that's tentatively called The Kitty Game, and Which that is, will be a short series. It's exactly what it sounds like. and Is uh, is it a game with kitties? It is, it is effectively about the games that kitties play. Yes. <laughs> I am yeah. not lying. Not lying. It is going to be delightful. It is going to be a complete break from everything we've been doing. Oh, you fucking cat people. I yeah. know, I know. Hey, the internet loves But the loves internet it. loves cats. Love I know, cats. I know. And here I am allergic to cats, and I'm just like, ah, rah, rah, rah. 
I was allergic to cats too until I got a couple. Our artist just drew some regular, you know, uh, pictures of the kitty game and had them in her portfolio at the last convention, and every one of them sold. Why? Because they're cats. Because they're cats, yeah. Because they're, they're cute cats. little cats. There's nothing not to love about them. I'll always be a dog person because I look at cats and think, you will kill me if I don't watch what I'm doing. <laughs> Like, if, I, if I'm if i looking the other way, you will grab the steak knife and you will just <laughs> rip the throat directly off of my head. And then you'll probably lick the blood. No, man. Here's the thing. You just raise a cat as if it was a dog and you wind up with a much cooler cat. Mm. You know, our, we take our cat for walks on a leash and he plays catch, fuck? not fetch, because he did learn that if he just sits there, I'll go and pick the thing up and then throw it again. But we do play catch together. He did fetch for a while. He fetched for a he while. he figured out that we yeah. would do the other bit of the work for him. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine how that went. It's like, wait a minute. Wait, wait. I just had a light bulb. Like, oh, wait. Yeah. Yeah, you can see the dawning realization in those eyes. <laughs> Oh man! And, and w- w- actually, one of one of the questions that uh, that I've had brewing in my head, and this isn't just as your as one of your editors, I'm just I'm just 100 curious. With the Rainbow Collection out now, how do you think this is going to affect people that have already bought, say, like Volume One and Volume Two at conventions? Well, um, this is something that we considered very heavily, and it's something you consider every time that you're putting out a collection of previously released work mm-hmm. you know is the people there are people who have been buying it all the way up to now and how do you make it worth it for them mm-hmm. and one of the things we tried to do was to make sure that the omnibus was so overloaded with new content that was not available before that if people buy it they're getting a lot of new stuff so not only do we have a new scene and then I want to say 48 pages of extras, stuff that talks about like alternate endings, stuff that talks about what all the people do, like what our editors do and what the flats people and stuff do and sketchbooks and what happens. Character analyses and fashion reviews right. of all the costume design that we did. All that kind of stuff. But we also went through the book and it was our job to make it even better. Okay. So it was great you know, with the release of Volume 1 and Volume 2 and, honestly, Volume 3. But the book for the omnibus could have been even awesomer. It was like the uh, the director's cut version. Right. Mm-hmm. So we went back, we tightened up text, uh, we made things read smoother, we uh, fixed art. And we, uh, we touched it up in ways that only really become apparent when you're reading a story all at once. When we right. released as chapters... And because of our release schedule, they'd come out approximately bi-monthly. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to always spend a little time at the beginning of each issue to remind people of what's going on, to bring them back into the story. But when you read it all at once as a single volume, all that refreshing and reminding gets really tiresome right, because you, you just you, you don't need to be brought back into the story. Well, and one of it. the things that you and Chris would always say is just less voiceover. Yes. So and get, so get rid we of the were like, well, now we feel comfortable <laughs> taking that out. Yeah, we can we can relax it and make it more about the story and less about reminding people of what they're reading. Yeah, significantly less 
Storm is the most powerful person in the world, and lightning bolts are coming down, and only Storm can do this because she is Storm. Did I mention that she's Storm and that she controls lightning? So, yeah, so less Claremontish. <laughs> yes. Yep. That's, that's what, I, that's, that's what Brett said, yeah. Everything that's not necessary, that would have been more necessary in an issue-to-issue basis... But it just doesn't really matter anymore. Which left us a lot of room for new character beats and fun little moments that we could include that we didn't have space for before. So in order to make the Omnibus worth it, not only is it a lot cheaper than our previous Omnibus editions have been, um, compared to if you just wanted to buy Volume 3, which you didn't have yet, mm-hmm. for 5 to $10 dollars more, depending on where you buy the thing. Right. You're getting the entire series, tons of bonus material, new scene that was never released before, and an entirely like touched-up, updated director's cut, extended edition version of the story. And if you ask nicely, a piece of Adam's hair. Yeah, I I would be willing. It's One very fine hair. <laughs> very fine hair. Like like you kiss the, putting uh, putting blood in the ink. Four. Superman 4, the hair that's holding the boulder, it's one of mine. They, they asked if they could borrow it for the film. They said... And graciously uh, so. Well, you know, they could have just faked the whole thing, but as you'll recall, verisimilitude, constantly. That was the thing that they were driven by in those films. They needed Elvis cut hair. They just needed that. They needed it, okay? The world needed it. <laughs> And I provided because that's what I do. Yeah, and and with the uh, I mean with the omnibus, I mean you're essentially doing the same sort of thing that uh, that say you know DC does when they go in and they realize oh crap this you know this final crisis scene looks like absolute shit. Let's go ahead and, and change that and and get uh, you know better art and get the well. The difference art. is ours are readable and good the first time. <laughs> <as> well, <laughs> thank you, thank you. That's where I was heading. We, we don't. <laughs> You know, we're not fixing things because we fucked up. We're right. fixing things because... We're better now. Yeah, well, it's it's not even that. And I hesitate even to use the term fixing things because right. it implies that stuff was broken. It, it, it really, it, it just yeah. is the expanded version of... Making things of more cohesive, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that, we're making that, rainbow that even rainbowier. <laughs> and uh, where... Uh, how, how far down the road is, is uh, Unique? Because I, I know originally... I don't, I don't know if this is still the plan. I know you were originally going to go back and, I guess, spruce up the artwork and uh, up oh the original my stuff. Lord, yeah, we are. Yeah. We are doing a massive relaunch of uh, the beginning of the story. See, here's the thing that has changed with the way that comics work now, and not everybody appreciates this, but it's true. Uh, everybody now looks for... Issue one. Issue one, or volume one. They want to start at the beginning of the story, period. And this is something that manga has really changed, because the people who started reading manga when they were little in the late 90s, they're now, you know, in their 20s now, late 20s, some of them. And they're the major buyers of things. And when they're getting into comics, they want to start at the start. It's one of the reasons that comic movies for Marvel and DC don't do as good of a job of pushing the comics as movies for like Hellboy do or 300 or Watchmen or whatever, because people want to start at the beginning. You watch Iron Man and want to buy an Iron Man comic, you say, where's volume one of Iron Man? There is no. There's like... 20 volume one so and whatever crazy thing they make to start in a weird middle it that still doesn't work right and right now the first issue of uniques 
was the first major thing we ever produced. We had no clue what the hell we were doing. Um, mistakes were made. And in the spirit of the extended cut, uh, we are going to be doing a re-release of that first issue that is expanded into two issues that does all the things that we wanted to do initially but did not have the talent or ability to make happen. Nice. And this is going to be a way of bringing not just new people into the series, but also bringing old readers back in, you know, Well, slowly. you sort of have to reorient people because yeah. it's been, it's been three a while. years yeah. since we were able to release Unique. Which is a lifetime in the comic world. Yeah, it really is. It's huge. So really, you're starting, for the most part, completely fresh. And Unique's every slimline trade will be available through diamond that's that's our intention right. now that rainbow has worked is we're going to start re-releasing the uh, the smaller trade paperbacks as well and we're hoping to be able to get those down to a price point of around ten dollars each right so making it really affordable very fun uh something cool something new um and get and just new fans welcome back to uniques and yeah. while this is going on we're also in the writing process for season two which will be launching, uh, I think, concurrently during the year. Right. Okay. Hopefully, concurrently during the year, and doing uh, the writing, finishing the writing for another set of Uniques tales, which bridges the gap between the last season of Uniques and then the next season. Yes. Of uh, season one of the Uniques ended in uh, October of '96, and season two begins in February of '97. So the Next sequence of Unique's Tales in the anthology is going to bridge those months in between and show what's happening for these characters, introducing some new characters that are going to play major roles in the second season, and uh, setting the tone so that by the last issue of this run of Unique's Tales, we'll lead directly into the first issue of season two. Right. Okay. Which is our wire season. Right. <laughs> I assume you're going to be working with a, a large stable of artists for the Unique Tales, yes. like, like you did last time around? Yeah. Awesome. yeah. But um, this time, we are going to be writing most of the stories ourselves, because it has so much to do with the main cast, and we understand those characters so well that right. we would we prefer to keep them in our hands. We are having a set of different writers, like Lauren Us and Brian yep. Glass. <laughs> People we John really Locke trust, like we that. are bringing in and, and having them help out, just because it's so much so much fun and I think so valuable to get other voices into the Unique's world mm -hmm. but for the most part we're doing the writing yeah right you uh, you, you picked up Unique's back in the day right uh, that, that Megacon no no you didn't never did oh no. hmm well then hmm well this will be the time for you to get in on the game when it starts re-releasing yeah that's the point <laughs> are, are you guys on Comixology yet we will be okay. uh, it just takes us a lot of time to do everything that we do and as an indie creator to be up on comiXology you have to do all the work yourself yeah and i know i know they're way backed up like uh, i mean yeah. knowing knowing people who work for the company and knowing you know individuals that have dealt with them there are a lot of people wanting to be on comiXology and there are not a lot of people working for comiXology yeah yeah <laughs> So we've been talking to Comixology for years, and I'm not I'm not exaggerating. We've been talking to Comixology since the very beginning of that company. Yeah, and uh, we were going to be Uniques was going to be one of the early books to go up, mm -hmm. but then they started getting their uh, big publisher deals, right? And a little group like us, I mean, it's understandable. I probably would have 
let us get sidelined a bit too if sure. it meant getting Marvel and DC and yeah. Image and them up and involved. And so it's it's sort of been a when there's time situation ever since. And for the two of us, we have so much that we're having to manage at the same time. It's difficult to do all the things we want to be able to do right. and still produce comics at the same right. time. But it's definitely a thing. It's going we're to happen. definitely talking to them. Even one of them, uh, the CEO of Comixology, is going to be on our book that we're working on for Random House that we can't quite say what it is. <laughs> but... But it does involve contributions from many... Right. Uh, talented and storied creators right. of comics from many genres and places. Right. Ian knows what it is because he's reading it. I have no idea what you're talking about. No, it's all a secret. You no. are an excellent liar. No, 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 no. I can't wait until <laughs> gets released to the world. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's that's good to hear. And I mean, like like I said, it's it, you're far from the only ones, and it's not a exclusionary tactic or anything like yeah. that. It's oh no, it's no, eight, we, it's eight hundred and forty-seven people trying to you know handle you know, be handled by four. So that's yeah. It's one of the tough things out there, and this is something that happens a lot. Is there's a huge gulf between perception and reality when you have a company name over you mm -hmm. and you have a very nicely presented body of work or, or whatever I mean in Comixology's case they have a very good looking site with a very good looking app yeah. they look so utterly professional that all of their customers would presume and most people dealing with them would they're presume they're a very large they, company yeah. they're yeah, a major they're company a huge company mm -hmm. right yeah. I mean the but same yet. thing yeah the same thing happens for uh, comic creators people who uh, get published by Image, and suddenly all of their fans are like, oh, man, you're on Easy Street now. You're published You've by... You've made it. You've made it. Well, not exactly. There's not necessarily any more money now than there was before, but that little eye in the corner of your book changes everything about how people think of you, and that's one of the reasons that Comfort and I have decided not to do a publisher name and to just be Comfort and Adam. Right, well, or not even to go with a publisher because the unfortunate thing that, that like, there's fortunate things that come with a publisher and there's a lot that doesn't come with a publisher. Even yeah. working for Random House, they really don't do a bunch of stuff necessarily. It's all through us. All the contracts are with us. Mm-hmm. Everything about that book is pretty much just us, but right. there is a name. And once you have a name, people make different presumptions. So as long as we're Comfort and Adam, people will rem remember and realize that it's just you know the two of us doing our work on our own and, and doing the best we can to get by. If we had some publisher's name ahead of us, everybody's presumptions would change, and they'd start expecting things out of us or of us that are just unrealistic impossible yeah yeah now if now if somewhere down the road uh you guys were to say you know add on friends of yours who have you know good ideas for for comics that are say you know tangentially uh yeah. associated with what you guys have to do that might be a time to say you know make the comfort and adam name the comfort and adam company but that's further <laughs> right. down that, the road it, you know, off, it would probably still it. be Comfort and Adam as the publisher right. at that point. Even then, <laughs> if if we were doing something like that, we do have an idea uh, that we've bandied around several times for some sort of a, a confederacy of comic artists. That's not quite a publishing label, mm -hmm. but is a pooling of resources together. Um, 
Comfort I, I, Confederacy I, I, Comics. There you go, right there. Yeah. Rolls off the tongue. <laughs> Rolls off the tongue, especially in the South. Comfort Confederacy. <laughs> CCC. <laughs> so we'll see if something like that ever happens. It's a hard thing to do. Yeah. Uh, I can see a time, but yeah, that's that, we, that's way down the road. There. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I and I understand that, uh, but it does actually uh, bridge slightly into uh, general comics talk that uh, that we'll be doing on the on the rest of the episode here. Um, one of the articles that came out over the last couple of days is that uh, Rachel Rising is having some issues, I guess, gaining the full audience that uh, Terry Moore would have hoped uh, for, mm. for the title. Um, I, I, know, I know this was uh, you know, somewhat based upon uh, John Lehman uh, making some joke tweets about uh, Chew's numbers going down and then having to you know, reaffirm that he was just you know, bullshitting out his ass and that Chew was still doing well. But uh, Rachel Rising, not so much. And I'm wondering... If it's partially the the fact that uh, I mean, I'm more than partially actually that uh, that comic shops do not get in indie books as much as people who live in big cities might think, but also that it's basically Terry Moore, separate, being Terry Moore on his own, doing his best to try and get I guess the demand up there himself for a book like Rachel Rising. You, you guys, you guys can throw your thoughts out there uh, uh, in general. I have- Read Rachel Rising. If you put that out, I have I have a, a, a couple thoughts on this, and the first is his major fan base from Strangers in Paradise mm-hmm. might not be able to transition to something like Rachel Rising because right. of the change of, of the overall, if if not the tone, you know, at least the genre. Um, but I think also it's always difficult for any creator-owned property to thrive when the industry itself has moments of struggle. When it comes down to it, they will continue reading a Spider-Man book they hate, and they will be willing to drop your creator-owned property in order to keep buying a Spider-Man book they hate. Yeah. But, uh, because they, they don't want to stop. There There is an addiction quality to some of these characters and when economies turn down, when people are having hard times, when people feel like they can't afford to get all the comics they wish they could get. And this extends to retailers, too, which is a third point. Part of the problem that the industry faces as a whole is that retailers are, in some ways by necessity, extremely conservative. Yeah. Extraordinarily conservative. Because all of the weight is on them. See, at bookstores, a bookstore can order tons of books. And if they don't sell, they can ship them back to the publisher and get a refund. So bookstores can take chances on stuff. Right, can take huge chances. Because if a book doesn't succeed, then they don't have to carry all that weight on their own heads. Yeah. Comic stores have to pay for everything up front. And they have to keep everything and then... Uh, if they can't no, sell it, right. then they're done. They're they have screwed. no option of being reimbursed. And this means a couple things have happened. First comic publishers actively tell you that your customer is the retailer not the fans so anything that publishers can do to try and trick retailers into ordering more of certain comics with their incentive covers and their like tricky renumberings oh it's a new issue one every couple months Hmm. look at that and all these things that they're doing that drive us the readers crazy 
is like retailer bait that they're trolling out the back end of the boat. Yeah. The other thing that happens is retailers become way more skittish about anything that might not sell because if they can't move it, they're just out of a bunch of money that they're not getting right. back. And so many comic shops are having a very, very hard time. Mm-hmm. You know, Brent, for instance, and us, I mean, we get all our comics on DCBS. You know, there are comic book retailer essentially yeah. we Brent, don't go rent's got entirely digital at this point i'm right. i'm i'm still dcbs but i'm i'm actually further waning uh on that uh, as i as i look towards the you know piles and piles of things that i that i could probably get rid of at this point and, yeah exactly if we had a tablet we'd be in the same boat i mean we reached a point just last month we took six paper bags full of trade paper bags probably at least 75 trade paperbacks we took to the local library to donate we took i think eight ten maybe more long boxes to uh one to of our local, local comic, comic shop. shops because mm-hmm. we just and just gave to them it. away because <laughs> it, it takes up space we don't read them anymore we don't look at those we kept the stuff that matters right and then the rest of it is just stuff you bought either by habit or because you wanted to give it a try or even if, if it was a good book but it's not something you look at all the time right. it's taken up space now yeah. what i'm going to add to this conversation is this is uh Unfortunately, sometimes no matter how big your name is, even if you are Terry Moore and you've got this book, you can't just expect it to sell. You know, I un- I don't necessarily see a whole bunch about Rachel Rising, uh, you know, as far as uh, either advertising or buzz, um, press, buzz yeah. press, whatever, whatever. But here's another thing is Rachel Rising's uh, fan base might be somewhere else. And if all you're going to do is you're going to stick to your regular old local comic shops and your regular and old... traditional comic advertising. Right, can, traditional comic advertising, traditional comic book um, uh, conventions, you could be in a really tough place. The reason that we succeed in large part is because we've gone out and sought out different audiences in different places that we thought would also like our book. If we were only relying on the 40-plus general audience of comic book goers, we would be in deep shit. Yeah. Well, and actually, uh, to to angle this back towards Brent, I'm curious, Brent, like, now that you've gone solely digital, has it changed the the way you perhaps take risks on comics at all? Like, now you don't have to worry about, you know, buying, say, like, issue one of a comic, and if if it's shit, then it's lying around and you got to do something about it? Yeah, I mean, I I got rid of um, all of my single issues last month, or before I moved mm-hmm. into my house. I, I, you know, best decision I ever made. Yeah. You know, just, you know, I, I put an ad up on, on Craigslist, and then this guy called me and was like, or emailed me, emailed back and forth, set up a day. He came over and looked at him, and it was like, bing, bang, boom, take it, you're done, we're done. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have to worry about really anything after that. Uh, other than helping them carry them down the stairs. And now, so all I have now is uh, my trade paperbacks and stuff, which I don't know if I'll ever get rid of. But there was, you know, DC's having a trade paperback sale for $6 or whatever. And I, there are some of, a lot of the stuff is like the old classic stuff, but I've never read Sandman, so I picked up that one. Nice. They got oh, Watchmen on there. Treat. Yeah. 
they got Watchmen on there for $6 for the entire thing. I was like, huh, you know, do I want a digital copy of Watchmen, like, just to have on hand to read or to look up something if somebody asked me a question? Couldn't or, hurt if it's 6 bucks. Yeah, or, you know, same thing with uh, Batman Year One, Dark Knight Returns, Hush, all these all these uh, DC classics are on there, All-Star yeah. Superman, stuff I already own in trade paperback. I haven't bought. I only bought the stuff that I didn't have uh, and that I wanted, but, you know... Uh, even some Marvel stuff, like the Uncanny X-Force by Rick Remender, they had that on a Thursday for one day only. It was like th- uh, $3.99 or something like that. Boom, got it. E- basically, every trade Marvel's had on there for $3.99 I've picked up just because I want to read it and I haven't read it. And that the since the price point for an entire trade paperback is that of a single issue, it was a lot easier to justify than the normal collections that are priced on here at $12 or $20 or you know, even some, I think, like, Age of Ultron collection on digital is still the same as the print version. It's like $60 or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's ridiculous. So I don't want to tell you guys how to run your business when you get on Comixology, but goddamn, if if uh, you had, you know, Rainbow in the Dark 1, 2, and 3 for two ninety nine or three ninety nine collections, dude, My friend, I would it's pick gonna that be up for sure. <laughs> even better. I think that's something you guys have always gotten with your digital stuff is that it's cost We've understood that, that from the beginning. And this is something that still drives me crazy to this day. I know that these publishers have more mouths they've got to feed with every bit of profit that comes off of their books. But at the same time, expecting somebody to pay nearly the same price for a digital thing as they would pay for a physical product. It's not reasonable. It's it's yeah, unreasonable it's unreasonable. and people can see through it you know i i like to say like compare a digital comic to a piece of dlc for a video game mm-hmm. and generally the pricing is pretty similar uh you know five bucks maybe to ten if it's a sizable expansion well, for a video just put game the walking dead video game yeah, yeah walking dead video game by telltale five bucks an episode and you get hours of great entertainment twice as much if you want to play it through a couple times and see the different paths you can take in the game or you can spend that money on a new dc comic digitally that you'll read (laughs) in 15 minutes maybe yeah and 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 you know for a fact which is what i'm doing uh is if you wait until season uh, the, the season of walking dead is all done you can get it for even cheaper which yeah. is which is what we did uh, the last time around when they were having a sale on uh, on the PlayStation Store. That's what yeah. we bought Walking Dead uh, Volume One, uh, Season One, uh, for I think nine ninety nine for the entire season. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh lord! And if you do PC gaming and you can get up on Steam, you can get ludicrous prices. Oh yeah. So it's it's almost like in some ways video games have adapted the comic model for some of these things where they release chapters and then you get your collected editions. They just then, do it better than that. Yeah, but they do it better. And they through the old so Sam and Max better. game that they that they put out in multiple seasons uh, over yeah. the last couple and of years. There's so much more entertainment for your dollar. I look at Marvel and DC's pricing. Now, granted, they're, they're getting a little bit better over time. And they do have some of these sales like you're talking about sometimes that are, that are really nice. Yeah. But I look at a lot of their pricing, especially for their new content. And... It's hard to know where else you can go to get so little entertainment value for your dollar mm-hmm. in terms of time you get and and how much you receive, you know, for, for what you pay. Right. It's crazy. When we do our we do a lot of seminars and panel discussions and things about creating comics and when we talk about digital pricing, we will frequently say 
that when it comes to single issue comics, you charge 99 cents or you give it away. Right. Because if you charge anything less than 99 cents. You're a jerk. No. Anything less than oh, 99 sorry, cents. Oh, I'm sorry. Less than 99 cents. <laughs> and you make so right. little, you might as well give it away. If yeah. you charge anything more than 99 cents, you're a dick. Right. And that's just all there is to it. What one ninety nine is barely acceptable to me. Ninety nine cents is I, is perfectly acceptable. Yeah, yeah, I can see a buck ninety nine for the bu- bigger companies that do have larger administrative costs that they have to maintain, sure. and larger creative teams that need to get paid. I can understand that. Yeah. Okay, but three ninety nine, really, yeah. for a digital thing, and you're not providing any more content. You're just charging the same amount it, it's it's right. crazy well when we as a little tiny company do print on demand issues for five dollars and it's only one dollar more than your 20 page digital issue that's telling that's yeah. bad news and our issues are on average 28 to 30 pages to 30 pages long or if you get crazy they might be say 58 pages long yeah well w- one of the things that i've been noticing about my reading habits which is, I think, getting me closer to going digital, is there are comics that I will buy via DCBS that will sit in the back room, and I will still wind up catching up on them via my tablet. Oh, like, yeah. Uh, be, because, and, and, you know, it's either that I've already put the code in, or because a certain co-host likes to give me his login, that... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that I that I have been able to catch up on these books and uh, like perfect example Superior Spider-Man I'm about three or four issues behind on Superior Spider-Man and I've been finding myself catching up instead of going back into the back room and, and picking up the single issue and taking it with me to to the office or whatever I have it loaded up on the on the Android tablet and I'm reading it there and I'm like wait a minute I just spent money on the comic and yet I'm not actually using the comic for anything other than the code why am I buying this Brent's buying it for me that's partially it too but the other but it it, it's a comic that I'm that I've already bought myself Brent that's the point like what I'm saying here is that I I'm seeing less and less of a reason to to have a a a paper copy of something that i'm not even going to read in the paper form yeah oh yeah it's it's easy to see that transition happening and when you have the tablet and it's so convenient yeah it's i just i don't see a reason not to we we already we gave up single issues a long time the only comics we buy in single issues are those where we are such fans of those books and those creators that we want to vote with our dollars to show how much we like those books I will, I will vote with my dollars on the current X books all the way to the bank. Like it is, I just finished. I just finished Battle of the Atom, and that was the best X crossover I have read in I don't know I don't know how many years. Like it's it's a cohesive story. Like even when you switch writers, because I mean think think of the creators they hide behind this. They had. Bendis, they had Jason Aaron, they had Brian Wood, and on the art side, they all had artists that might have had different styles, but they were, I guess, similar enough where when you went issue to issue, it was hard to even recognize, like, this is a different a different creative team working on the book. And the story they told, it was a ten-part story that actually felt like it should be ten parts. I have not read an X title that felt that way in forever 
and I was happy reading it. I was there was joy. <laughs> I had fucking joy magic. reading a fucking X crossover. How yeah, insane is that? From X-Men. Yes. And I have often said it is just hard to be an X-Men fan because you're going to get jerked around more than almost any other fandom in comics. Yeah. But uh yeah, it's nice when you find something that you can really enjoy. We haven't we've ordered the first all new X-Men trade mm-hmm. to give that a try. Yeah. I'll be honest that it doesn't sound that appealing. It is um, it is once you get Adam. into it. In terms of people just <laughs> laying out here's what the story has been. Yeah. I hear that and I think that does not sound like an X-Men story I necessarily want to read. It is it's for one thing it's fun. Which is something that X-Books had been lacking for years. I mean, you combine this with Wolverine and the X-Men and as well as the uncanny side with uh, with the whole Cyclops thing, like basically this was the next natural step after Schism, and it doesn't feel necessarily like Brian Bendis just said, you know what, with the all new X Men number one, I'm going to throw out the uh, the bathwater and do something new. It was I'm going to build upon what's happened before and craft a story that just makes the next logical step, the next mm-hmm. logical sense, and go from there. And with the X-Men from the past mingling with the X-Men of the present, it's just a story that it it breathes new life into the X-Men. That's the way I'll put it for me. And especially even past that, Amazing X-Men that just came out is another one, too. Like, you want, like, old-school Claremont before he became a warty bitch? (laughs) That is Amazing X-Men, and Ed McGuinness's art has never looked better. I am a McGuinness fan. Yeah, he's not drawing uh, blocky-ass characters in amazing x-men he's actually he's actually like storm looks the way storm looks when i'd say nick bradshaw draws her so it's it's mcginnis when he cares exactly yeah (laughs) and wolverine is stocky like he should be and not overly pudgy or anything it doesn't look like puck so that's that's nice uh brent did you read amazing x-men no you did not. Okay, I would suggest that be one of the ones you give a shot on uh, somewhere down the road. I mean, I know you're picking. You've been reading Uncanny uh, in, in spots, and I know you've pick, been picking up all new. Uh, what, what have you been thinking of uh, Battle of the Atom? I like I like the parts that I read. I thought it was interesting. I didn't really feel like it was that amazing. I, I think I enjoyed like re- catching up on a Messiah Complex. I think was that's the one that I really enjoyed mm-hmm. uh, X crossover wise. Um, but I'm enjoying uh, all new X-Men. You know, that's that's the only X title I'm actually buying physically. You know, I, I got the trades of Uncanny X-Men, but I haven't actually read them yet. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm really enjoying the all new X-Men stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, and and, and again, it helps that you've got uh, imminent art uh, as well as you know some other great artists in there as well. I know Chris Anka just did one of the most recent issues, and he is at the moment probably my favorite artist at at Marvel. Like, He's certainly my favorite costume designer. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that helps. That helps a lot <laughs> with with the books that are going on. Brent, let's uh, let's transition over to you. I know you had some stuff you wanted to talk about. Well, I, I just thought it was interesting yesterday. The at the last South by Southwest Marvel was like, we're gonna change things up with our comics and do things with sound and motion and branching storylines. And um, yeah. I I picked up the they quickly released this Wolverine story. Uh, and they call them Infinite Comics, and they, you know, included them in the back of the digital purchases of, um, you know, they've been doing it since, like, uh, what's it called, Avengers versus X-Men with the Phoenix stuff. Yeah. 
um, which was nice to know after I bought the first one for a buck, <laughs> and then found out that it was in the back of the actual digital issue. Yeah, they weren't they weren't very uh, clear about that. No, it, it's kind of not in there. Uh, it doesn't say like on the actual digital like infinite comic that this is included elsewhere. Because um, they want to get you money. It's like deep, deep in the description of the actual like Avengers vs X Men. But anyway. Um, so I, I read those, and those are really interesting, you know, as long as they're included for free. And then Marvel started doing them regularly, like, outside of special events. Um, they were doing it, like, they had a Wolverine one, there's an Iron Man one going on right now. And I, I picked up the first Wolverine one um, just to see what it, the story was, really, and it wasn't really, like, anything substantial, I guess you would say. Um, nothing to really hook me. I think the length of them are just about the same... Um, as like a regular comic or so. it's hard to tell with all the transitions and stuff and basically what they're doing is I don't know how they're doing it like if the artists are drawing it all digitally on different layers of Photoshop and have somebody else composite them or if they're just drawing like you know the same panel over and over again or you know on different pieces of paper kind of like an animation style but uh, it's kind of like it's made for the Comixology guided view which if you, if you haven't experienced that yet there's you can download Comixology on your phone, and there's a bunch of free comics you can try it out on. So that's been going on for a while, and I really didn't think that Marvel's stories were good enough to to read on there, their original stuff, um, and that the fact they were charging two ninety nine for one of these digital only comics. I said, "Fuck you to that." Yeah. Because DC, I've been buying the Injustice digital only comic. Um, while it doesn't have the animated transitions and stuff like that, there's goes for uh, 99 cents. Yeah, and I, um, they've been doing the same with uh, Batman 66, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Batman 66, I can't remember. The first one had transitions and stuff like that. I don't remember what the price point was. I want to say it was 99 cents. So Batman 66 is kind of weird because every couple of issues, you'll have one where it's just purely like if you took half a comic page, mm-hmm. um, portrait style. That's kind of where their art is, and that kind of fits like an iPad screen. And then the bottom half is another page on the iPad screen. Um, so when they, they'll actually print these as print issues, they'll just stick two of these together, um, one on top of the other. And that's kind of like what you see in comic shops if you see like the Smallville comic or... Uh, the Injustice comic or collected edition or whatnot. Holy digital transition, Batman. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, but anyway, Marvel kind of said, we're going to start this thing called Project Gamma and have this, uh, you know, comics with sound and music and sound effects. Well, they're not the first ones to do it. Um, there was a company called Madefire that came out, I think, maybe last year or the year before that have been doing this for a while and... Um, it was kind of interesting. Once they came out, they had a bunch of free issues on their app. Um, it's on iOS, I know for sure. I've, most of the comic stuff I do is on my tablet. So um, if I say there's an app, assume it's iOS. Check, you can check for Android, but I'm not guaranteeing it. But uh, so they were, were doing, like, uh, instead of the transitions, the animated transitions, you could actually move the comic, and it would, like, kind of appear 3D because there were different layers that were, would move depending on, like, the gyroscope or something, or you would switch it, and there was one that was, like, kind of like a... It was a Dave Gibbons thing that they created, um, and he did the art, and it was kind of like Judge Dredd and had a big T on his face. Mm-hmm. He was, like, a super cop. But you, you swipe through, and then the next thing, a gun pops up, and then the guy starts shooting, and then you hear, like, the gunshots and things like that, or there's music in the background. There wasn't any uh, animated transitions... Um, so it's kind of like the motion comics that everybody was doing for a while there. Yeah. Um, just less less of that. 
uh, less of the animation style. So DC came out with this one yesterday for the Batman game that just came out, Arkham Origins. I downloaded the app and I saw, you know, I got to the paywall, which I thought was pretty shitty of them. I thought you could do, you know, give away the first issue for free, not half of the first issue. Yeah, that's, um, that's a little weird. Yeah. So I, I got through probably about halfway. And then they said, if you want to finish the story, it's $0.99, cents, or you can buy $15, gets you the season pass. And the season pass actually has, um, it gives you two Batman skins for the game, which is on my Christmas list, so maybe Santa will bring it to me. I'm assuming he will. So I was like, maybe I'll do that just to get the skins. And then I read on the Madefire site that you don't get the skins, you get one halfway when they're done, <laughs> and you get another one at the very end. What? Um so instead of just giving it to you right away. So I'm like, I'm going to beat the fucking game by then. You just canceled out my purchase, you dumb fucks. <laughs> like, Jesus sorry Christ. for the language, but, you know, if you had given me the two skins up front, I might have bought it then and there because, you know, A, I like Batman, B, I like skins, and I would have I bought yeah. it. That, but, that, that's uh, not I the just, kind of delayed gratification that I think they, they should really be dealing with here. No, I mean, the yeah. game itself came out in October. It came out months ago. So they're already missing, like, the promotional boat of being there uh, when the game was hot and all the reviews were posted and stuff like that. Um, so they're already two months behind the curve. And then to say you're going to give me other skins, you know, two months after this because you're releasing issues biweekly or something like that, it was just a, a misfire. And th- that you didn't give the first issue away for free. Yeah. So. This one, it's its own separate app. It's not within Comixology, so I guess that whenever Marvel does their stuff, it's going to be outside Comixology as well, which, you know, this one says, like, DC2 or, or whatever, DC Squared, but it, sa- it says Arkham Origins, so I'm kind of wondering, like, am I going to have a separate, if we keep continuing to have these series from the publishers, is there going to be an app per series? <laughs> Or are you going to be, like, centralizing it within another app? So say maybe there's a Superman one coming down the pike. Uh, is that combined in the same app from DC and Madefire because they partner together? Or is it going to be a Batman app for this storyline, a Superman app for this storyline, another one for this one, for this one? Um, it's just kind of confusing. It, it sounds confusing to me, and, and I, I can't get over that half-issue thing. Did they think that, that, they, that they would be able to get people's attention enough just by, like half an issue available it's i mean it's it's weird because you get the other point about this one is besides the music and sound effects and stuff like that is it's supposed to be like a choose your own adventure type comic book Mm -hmm. so you get to right before the paywall batman is investigating three guys and he's like but which one is it and then so you're looking at the bat computer and all three of these like kind of picture tiles are like glimmering so you click one, and then it goes on that path, and uh-huh. he goes and investigates that guy. But you get two like full-page transitions before you get to the paywall. <laughs> but then you can go back, and you're like, oh, I'm going to try this guy. And uh, you know, I recognize this guy's name from other comic book stories. So you get there, and then, again, two new transitions before you hit the paywall, then you Great. get a third one. So it's like, yeah. you didn't even get me far enough to go, oh, well, you know, this is the right way. But apparently, when it's all said and done, they're going to be multiple ways to go around the storyline and, you know, things like that. Kind of like a game, I guess. Batman has Just three choices. And art. He right. can go left, he can go right, or he can go Dennis. So, I don't I don't know that in the end that they're all going to, like, intersect and merge together and, and, or, you know, or if there's maybe only one true path and everything else just branches and Batman dies here, Batman dies there, yeah. kind of thing. Mm. Um, Batman never dies. <laughs> <laughs> 
Bring you got the best superpower ever. His parents yeah. died. <laughs> yeah. Robin's died. <laughs> Thank Batman you. You, you, said, you said it before I had a chance to. Yeah. Batman never dies. Um, his parents are dead. Parents so dead. It's, just, it's just weird. And the fact that it's in its own app and not like I check Comixology on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Mm-hmm. Monday and Fridays are the Marvel sale days. So uh, there's always 99 cent comics on Mondays and Fridays for them. And sometimes I get some, sometimes I don't. Most mm-hmm. times I don't because I'm not interested. Um, and the DC stuff is usually like a week long. So if, when I check them, I'll check the other things. And then Wednesdays is new comic day. But if, if, it's, if it's not integrated with my comic app, like going to my store basically, yeah. as you know, uh, I, I'll never know if they have a sale or anything like it make, that. It makes things more complicated. Yeah. It does. Yeah. I, Adam, what were you going to say before? Uh, it sounds to me like they're trying to adapt the free-to-play video game model, mm-hmm. which is offer just enough of the game to get people hooked and right. then yeah. lock everything else behind microtransactions. Well, mm-hmm. Pay a little here and you get this. Pay a little there and you get that. Pay all this and you get the whole kabam of stuff. <clears throat> you know, you, you're not... I mean, it, it claims free, but it's not really free exactly. It's... How much do I have to get you to trick you into paying all the money for this other stuff? Right. Yeah. The, and their season pass is fifteen dollars. So I didn't really. It's hard to gauge whether that is a worthwhile amount of money for story content. It's definitely not for the skins that come along with it, which is the main reason I was looking at it. If you got them instantly, because then I could like load them up when I get this game Christmas Day. I'm assuming here uh, I'm gonna receive it, or if not, I'll just go out and buy it. But anyway. You know, it may, I was getting excited about the skins and, oh, this is kind of cool and sure, whatever. Um, but then there's just the delay and then it's like, well, you didn't really hook me into the story. So, you know, why am I going to bother coming back? I'm going to delete the app. They're doing the worst of all worlds here because almost the worst thing that you can do as somebody trying to sell something to an audience is disappoint them in any way. If somebody tries something that you are producing and the feeling they walk away with at the end is disappointment uh, or you've, even just oh <laughs> yeah it, you've gar- you've lost a sale and you've lost a fan and you've lost a recurring customer you know that it's just, and i'm looking at $15 for a season 99 cents for an issue okay so it, there have to at least be 15 issues to make it a worthwhile investment right at least and you know next to nothing about what the ongoing quality of this is going to be. Mm-hmm. So they're expecting you to throw down a huge amount of money comparatively, you know, for a season as opposed to an issue. And you don't seem like you're getting that much out of it. You certainly aren't getting a feeling of contentment with your purchase. And then what bonus they do offer is locked behind a weird nonsensical time wall that just prevents people from getting excited. Well, well, well remember, uh, disappointment is the most metal gift of all. It is That's the most true, metal gift of all. Yeah, I have heard this. <laughs> and I suspect that like other metal gifts once you open this one you'll discover that it's nothing (laughs) (laughs) or else it's a coked out clown with a balloon base (laughs) 
Well, maybe maybe DC changed their company name from Detective Comics to Disappointment Comics. Maybe so. Well, <laughs> that that would, would that would explain see... why the only thing I'm reading right now are Vertigo comics. So yeah. I would love to see a Joker Doctor Roxo crossover. Oh make my that god. Happen, that yeah. would be amazing. Make it make it happen, man. Make it happen. Yeah. No. I and I don't even know who their audience is for this because. And, yeah, I mean, this might be the way that I'm programmed or whatever, but when I hear, for the most part, choose-your-own-adventure-style comics, I'm thinking kids. Yeah, you know? exactly. Right. And and what kid do you know who is going to go to, to his parents and say, Mommy, can you buy me Chapter 3 of this comic for another 99 cents? Like... I doubt that's going to happen very often. I mean, maybe they'll do the, the entire full season, but again, 15 bucks seems like a, a lot to pay for a story that, as you pointed out, Adam, I mean, like you might not even want to buy the damn thing until you know it's all out because you have no idea what the quality of the uh, of the entire thing is going to be. Yeah. I, I also feel like these stories, I don't know if they're necessarily like not just kid-friendly, but kids dig them, right. or is it, again, Considering like... the character design for the Arkhamverse, mm-hmm. kid-friendly not... would be the last thing I'd consider. Yeah, right. and, 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 that's, and that's where I lose the, me- the narrative even further. They're kind again. of aiming at the video game crowd. So Arkham, you know, Injustice, uh, the fighting game... I got that. Yeah. That was a great game. Yeah. Um, I reviewed it on one of the BK's bullets. If you go back, yep. uh, me and my video game buddy Jim did. And so, and then I started reading the comics and they also have a mobile game for your iPhone, iPad or Android. So if you're not playing your PS2 or whatever, you can play a very, very simplified version of it. Just tapping kind of like infinity blade, um, you know, and, and do it that way. And then that, so you unlock stuff there, which unlocks stuff in the real game and, vice versa so they're getting a lot of like cross-platform like promotion you know thinking that oh people who only look at their phones and tablets will download this game or whatever and then they'll get interested in the actual product or they'll get interested in the actual product and then go over and we'll get it purchased through the mobile side as well so then arkham arkham city did it last year where they had a, a fighting game um alongside uh you know the reg or you know the regular Arkham City game or something mm-hmm. like that, but there wasn't any interactivity. It was just these are two separate things with the same name, and one is very simplified, and one is the real thing that you want. And then um, Arkham Origins did it again this year, but kind of did the injustice model where you know you unlock things here, it unlocks things in the real game, yeah. and vice versa. So I, I think this is kind of an expansion of that idea because the injustice mobile game has been so. I, I think it's been very successful, seeing as how they've had. You know, oh, yeah. it is free to download, and they keep adding and adding new characters into their mobile game. That's great. Um, I've long since lost interest in it, quite honestly, because <laughs> I've but I, I put in hours and hours and hours into this mobile game just to uh, power up my people, and I haven't even beat all of the single player, like all the missions or whatever yet. Yeah, well, that's like I gave up on Marvel Avengers Alliance. Actually, you know what it took. It took me being away for for Otakon for me to not play Marvel's Avengers Marvel Avengers Alliance. And I looked at it uh, when I got back, and I was just like, "Eh." You know, like like once you break the habit of playing a game at least once a day, like it, it's hard to get back into that sometimes. And well, I have, the, I've not played it since. The stupid thing was is that they they took that Facebook game, which we I was playing that as well. Yeah. Um, and you could and you, then you they they put it out on ios and android and you can't even continue your game mm-hmm. it's like you gotta be shitting me that yeah. you can't 
you I've logged in through Facebook and I've logged in through Facebook on games on my iPad before, like yeah. Jurassic Park or whatever. So there's you you're telling me that you can't link these the same Facebook login with the same information and download yeah. these characters, like well, yeah. but then you wouldn't have to Ridiculous. pay for things again and invest yeah. time all over. No, again. but that's see that's wrong. Well, look, it, yeah, no, that I is that is wrong. You to yeah. play, I would play more often on my phone than I. I would still be playing on my phone if when it came out a couple months ago, you know, when I still had interest in the game. Yeah, yeah. I would still be playing this game on my phone all the time. Um, if you could, because have. it was on my phone, if I could have, Consi- like, I, considering I how put often, in probably forty yeah. bucks into that game on gold or whatever, just to buy characters or things yeah. like that. So I spent money on it. So it's not a question of I wasn't spending money. It was I was one of those people, and there's probably other people like me that were just spending a little bit here and there just because they got frustrated or whatever. It's, yeah, that's how it's kind of a you. weird, weird thing. Considering how often I play Candy Crush Saga on my uh, iPod Touch or my tablet because I can just continue where I left off on Facebook. You know, like, that that says what they made the mistake with there. You know, like, I'm yeah. I'm not going to restart on level one of Candy Crush Saga on, on, a, on a mobile platform because that would just be silly. You know, just like I'm not going to restart at level one for Marvel Avengers Alliance because I put all yeah. these hours into it. Why the hell would I want to do it all over again? Well, but here it brings us to a, a nice point to tie back to that comic is that it's not a functioning game. It's a choose-your-own-adventure at best. And we don't even know how good of one it is because you only get a couple swipes through and you've got to pay to continue. This reminds me a lot of the motion comics fad that came out for a bit and some people are still trying to push. And still what pushing I, actually work. Yeah. What, what I always said then and I still say it now is if I wanted to watch a cartoon, I would watch a cartoon. If I wanted to read a comic, I would read a comic. Don't give me something that's a half-ass comic and a half-ass cartoon. And most people, I think, once they've seen a motion comic, would agree. And this thing seems here, if I wanted to play a video game, yeah. I'd play a video game. If I want to read a comic, I'd read a comic. Yep. I, I, I can. I continue the solution to, g- to this is not so much to make crazy bells and whistles, but to make better comics. Make better content. Yeah. No, the, the, the inju- it's just, it's the better content. The Injustice comic, uh, I swear to God, is the, it's not one of the, it's one of the better things I have read this year. And it will be on my list of best things of the year whenever we, when we do them in January. Yeah. Because better minds even though they were short, <laughs> the, I mean, it, just the twists and turns it took, I, I'd, I just really enjoyed reading it because you knew it's kind of like when you're reading Earth Two right now, or anything. You know that they're they can do whatever they want with characters. They're taking more risks and things like that. Oh yeah, Earth Two. Yeah, they bring the creator on of Injustice, and then all of a sudden, a evil Superman is involved with the comic. That's well, it. he did Lose show up in James Robinson's last issue. You say the words "evil Superman." <laughs> <laughs> I am done. I check out anytime you say those words. Hey, Irredeemable is a damn good comic. So tight. Uh, Red Sun did it so well yeah. that there is no need to ever do it again. Irredeemable but and incorruptible. She wasn't even upset. evil in that, in that comic, though. In Red Sun? She yeah. Red Sun. I've read Red Sun, so and a couple it. times I don't consider him being evil. 
he was conquering the planet to force people to obey his ideology so that he could protect us. I mean, it might not be evil in the sense of, like, mustache-twirling, tying ladies to railroad tracks, but it was not good either. Is people Superman? (laughs) No, it's just, I mean... I sort of feel like evil Superman is what people do when they get scared that Superman's not cool or when they feel like they need to remind people what a badass Superman is because that makes him cooler if he's somehow more of a badass. (laughs) But it just completely misses the point of the character. And I'm still not convinced that that last issue was written by uh, by James Robinson 100%, Brent. Part of me thinks they might have changed the end of that issue to it's, better it's possible. grok with what was going ahead. But, it's possible. You know, we don't know and we never will because I doubt James Robinson will ever really talk about it, but eh, so be it. Oh, real quick before before I go into Japan, I read Justice League 3000 number one as one of the few DC comics I I read recently just to just to kind of see where that went because I know the turmoil behind what actually you know came out with that because I know that the original concept was scrapped and then they had to redo it and then they wound up coming out with a new, completely different well, Howard artist Porter and everything. can still draw yes he Howard can Porter can still draw I, I think shit. he draws better now than he did then actually like yes. I, I, I'm loving what he's putting out now and the fact that he had to retrain himself to draw because I know he had that hand injury yeah. Well, I I was enjoying the trials of Shazam when he was doing it digitally, and then he had the hand in, injury or whatever, and you know. But man, oh man, his stuff has just improved like light years. Yeah, and the art is and the it best. was great before. Yeah, and the art is the best thing about the comic because the rest of it sucks. Um, <laughs> I, I I hate saying that for a Giffen DiMatteis book, but nothing worked in in the comic story wise, like. The the reveal you could see coming a mile away as to why the Justice League is suddenly in in the year three thousand and none of their personalities feel real. Everything sort of feels forced, and it's just it, it's like watching brothers and sisters fight. That's the entire issue. Like you know, so you're saying it's a current DC comic then? Uh, yeah, kind of. Yeah, but, you know, again, I don't know anything about current DC Comics because I'm not reading them, and that's what matters. But you just yeah. described the majority of their line. Yeah, I know. It's it's what got me to stop reading the Justice League comic uh, the first time around, but even more so here than in the Justice League proper, though, because it's like, you suck. No, you suck. No, you suck. Can we all get <laughs> along? No, you're a weenie. You're a weenie. Your parents are dead. I don't remember that anymore. Like, that's <laughs> that's the comic right there there's limitations with these with these versions and like you know what the, the, do you guys even care if i spoil what the what the main twist is because you could see it coming a mile away anyway no because there's i don't no think there's no chance ever i would it. ever consider it's reading. on the internet it was yeah. in reviews it wasn't even like yeah. a, it was it wasn't even a twist worth protecting right they they uh they're, cl- right they're there clones a bunch of the reviews right yeah. at the way yeah they're, they're clones of the originals so, so they're flawed. They're, they're they're flawed clones because of that. Like basically, they come from blood samples that were taken of the original Justice League, and because of that, they have like half memories but not full memories. Uh, Superman doesn't have heat vision. Flash doesn't have protection from his friction, so he can wind up 
dead at any moment, basically. Wonder Woman is a freaking savage. Like, she's she has none of her morality that she's supposed to have. Batman oh, doesn't know he has God. dead parents, so he's he's all, like, he's a lot more cocky than he should be. And Green Lantern is working without a ring, and the entire issue, he's over in the corner saying, I wish I had a ring. I wish I had a ring. Oh, my God. God. Yeah. He's got a super cape that does it for him. I don't understand what he wants a ring for. Because He's the ring feels better. a super cape? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I knew you'd love that. Did they just throw shit onto a board and throw darts at it to determine their plot? What is this? That, Do you remember yeah. when I said just make better books? <laughs> this is what I mean. Yeah. Well, here, here's what they did. They said, we need a future book that actually sells that people would want to read because Legion of Superheroes, fuck that, doesn't sell. Doesn't <laughs> yeah. sell. At least this, this and, current and, version, yeah. And no one wanted to read it. So, you know, other than the hardcore people who... Yep. You know, would rather go back and read the old Dark Side saga anyway. And Paul Levitz, who's so crying. All the in people who love to have boy and lass. Yeah, right. Yeah, superhero right. titles. The mm-hmm. people who would continue reading it right now are the problem, frankly. The same people who read the last volume of Doom Patrol until it ended are the same people that read Legion, probably. Oh, God, uh, stop talking about Chad. Come on, man, <laughs> really. Like, <laughs> and, and for the entire Legion of Substitute Podcasters, I apologize profusely <laughs> to the words that are being said right now, but even you know I guess that true. podcast is over. <laughs> <laughs> they, 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 they're, they're doing a lot of old stuff now. Ages. Yeah, I know. Ages. Yeah. I used to love that comic. Not so just the Mark Wade stuff. Basically, they were Mark like, Wade's- we need a Justice League of the future. Well, how can we do that without having shitty characters? Or characters that people don't care about? Let's bring them into the future. Brilliant. No, we have to make them different. How do we make them different? Well, we take stuff away. So we take away their memories. We take away Flash's uh, speed friction thing. So now he has to wear a gangster mask. Yeah, and what the fuck is up with those with those costumes? Um, oh my so god! So what can we take away from Green Lantern? Well, he, all he is is his ring. Well, let's take his ring away and give him a cloak. Okay. <laughs> Holy Christ! Yeah, and this, seriously, I mean, it's like a '90s checkbook of how to make characters extreme with yeah. an X. No, and you're right, and that's why, like, I'm. I'm doubtful as to yet again. I mean, going back to DC's current, uh, you know, ethics on on how they do books. You know for a fact that the editors have a lot more to do here than they did before because they're going by the by a '90s model. Bob Harris is involved, so I'm not sure how much of this is actually written by Giffen and Demetrius, and how much of it is written by Edict yeah. to Giffen and Demetrius saying, "We need this. Write this. We'll put it out." And I, I'm almost certain that's what happened here and it shows in the writing because there's just no passion in it. It's a terrible way to run a business, especially a creative business. You hire these people because they have a voice that matters. You hire these people because people like their work. And the reason people like their work, the reason they have names that sell comics is because they have created stories in the past that have made readers so passionate Mm -hmm. that they will follow that creator anywhere they go. That's what has made them bankable assets for these companies. The instant you then lash them to a ball and chain of your bullshit edicts is the instant that you remove the very thing that makes them a bankable property. Yeah. And, and just like, I mean, looking back on, on how this whole thing went down, when, like, the minute that Kevin Maguire was taken off the book, Bendis was like, um, you want you want to do some Guardians of the Galaxy? And and Maguire was like, okay. And then like, every- I need a paycheck, yes! <laughs> yeah. And then everybody who was looking for their their 
Kevin Maguire in their lives went went ahead and, uh, and bought uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, which is yeah. you know there are probably people who would not have considered Guardians of the Galaxy otherwise. Yes, who picked it up because having him on it makes it feel like it could be a different kind of book. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and 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 again, Howard Porter's art is great in this title. I just I am not at the point in my life where I can buy a book just for the art. So that's no. why it's just not going to happen. And books like this are the reason that I don't want to work for these companies. Mm. It's the reason that we self-publish because I cannot imagine what it would be like to be at my art desk and have a script come along where Green Lantern has a magic cape instead of a <laughs> ring and Wonder Woman is a filthy savage and Flash has to wear a gangster mask yeah. and I've got to but, draw this. But you know what? It's called a paycheck. A- it's called a paycheck. I, oh my God, I can't yeah. do that. I didn't get into art so that I could work for a paycheck for God's sake. Yeah, if I but, wanted that, there's better businesses to be in. Right, but but the thing the thing is with the with working for for the big companies and working for those in general, you know as well as I do that you know you do the jobs like this so that eventually you can do the passion jobs that you've been no. wanting to do for I, years. It's not, not happening. It. As it's not much. worth it because it doesn't happen. Yeah. You know, it's it's bullshit. Like, it used to be that, yeah, you could work at Marvel or DC to build your name, to become somebody, so that you'd then have the cachet to go and do the project you always wanted to do. But now you can't work at Marvel or DC unless you already have that cachet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unless you already are that name. How does it really benefit Howard Porter to Marvel be stuck less than this DC. Turd? Marvel less than DC. I'll, I will point that out, because Marvel is has been bringing in more and more new talent over the last couple of years, both on the Unless writing side and the art side. you're a college intern for one of the writers. <laughs> yeah, there was a joke for a long time at DC that the only way to get a job was to be famous, to write a book that was a bestseller, or to yeah. be an old college buddy with Jeff Johns. Right. Well, well, again, I mean, you know, I, I all I do is turn to Chris Anka, who got his job on his co- on his costume designs on Tumblr, and was and was found by by Marvel that way, and is now in. Is the that door. the guy who did all the sweatshirts and shit? All the sweatshirts? What do you mean? No, never mind. Uh, you you might be right, but uh, he's he. There's he, a guy who did it. He was on Deviant Art. There's a bunch of like sweatshirt designs that were really nice. Oh, okay, yeah, but, uh, I don't but think they didn't look like actual so. art art. Yeah, no, I don't. That, that's not what this is. Um, right. If you if you go back, I think I posted at one point uh, a photo of uh, of what's on my wall now of uh, Chris Anka drawing all of the female X Men in fancy clothes. Oh, it's the uh, fashion designer. Yes, no, mm-hmm. I mean he's other, yeah. he's not a fashion designer. No, 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 no but the, the pinups that he does. Yes, no, he does other stuff. He's too. done yeah. he's done plenty of other stuff also. Like I mean, he does he he did a that really was good convergence in style from right. what he normally does. Oh. Yes, yeah, no, he he's done. Uh, I mean, again, he's been doing covers for for Marvel for a while, and now he's doing actual sequentials for Brian Wood's X-Men coming soon. So that's... And I will say this is that, you know, there are some people, too, who want to just, you know, do Marvel and DC books, and that's just fine. Like, you know, Adam's a little bit more passionate about this than I am. Yes, we we, we all know. about these characters. (laughs) Right. Uh, But I, you know, it's... Whatever you want and whatever right. your choice is, you whatever know, and the choice that go. we've yeah. made is a lot harder to do than, you know, going out and getting a job. Yeah. Well, let me let me transition this actually over to uh, my trip to Japan and some of the stuff that I found over there yeah. that was interesting to me. One thing in particular, we went to a manga place uh, while we were there, bookstore, 
which again, like two things I found in Japan that were incredibly interesting to me is that the record shop slash CD shop and the bookstore are still huge in Japan. Huh. Tower Records is still a thing in Japan. The prices on CDs are going to be way higher than you would ever find them here, but that's because they, they, I guess, can get away with it that way, just because uh, even though internet is, is very fast in Japan now, it didn't happen as fast in Japan, and I think because mm-hmm. of that, the digital age is taking a little a little longer to catch up there, meaning that you still are able to get things like tower records that sell, you know, DVDs and Blu-rays and CDs and, and records and stuff like that and still be able to get a and profit. My understanding is that there's actually a reason why specifically CDs are priced what they are. There's something either in like a price setting situation. I there's wish I could remember a, I was a trade law. I was something. just reading about this like last month and I can't remember the specifics. There's also the reason that Madoka, like Marvin was being like, Madoka costs X because it's only released by this one studio and it's in Japan. Mm. And, and therefore these more. laws apply that right. require them to charge. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. No, I, they can get away with it. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised by that. It's just it was. It was interesting that like CDs that would. I mean, and mind you, this this is the way that this works. Uh, you know, here as well. Like import prices are going to be different and things like that. But like CDs that you would find here in the in the states for ten bucks were the equivalent of thirty dollars there. Yep. Which mm-hmm. which is kind of crazy. But one of the things that I found at Tower uh, on one of the floors of uh, Tower Records was they had a bunch of phone book sized tomes of translated dc comics huh and they they have for the new 52 they seem to have combined them by lines the way that 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 works is that there was say like a superman phone book sized tome that had the superman comic uh i think Superboy and maybe action comics in there as well and that had you know all that stuff there was a batman one that i think had batman nightwing Teen, uh, Teen Titans. Sorry, Teen Titans is, is is the one that was in the Superman one. I think maybe Batgirl and uh, maybe Batwing or something like that thrown in there as well. But you did find just regular trade paperbacks that were translated into into Japanese, and some of the weirdest choices too. Like, <laughs> like I found Amalgam <laughs> trans, <laughs> translated into Japan at one of the uh, in one of the used bookshops that we went to. Uh, just sitting yeah. there, like the volume one of of, uh, of DC Marvel Amalgam with the uh, like you know Super Soldier and a bunch of others running around, which was pretty cool. But yeah, that that was one of the things that 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 I was not entirely surprised about, but just surprised surprised in some ways that they do indeed have phone book sized tomes there of mm-hmm. American comics. That that's the way that they'll go because I guess I guess that's what they're used to. Yeah, yeah. The other thing is we actually we found two manga actually three manga that we wound up purchasing there that we were would not be able to get here at least we thought at least one of them that we, we, we wouldn't be able to get here in the states and it turns out uh we did so that's good we didn't actually buy this one we just took a photo of it and then got here and realized oh it's translated into english so we'll go ahead and get that the one in particular i'm talking about is a uh, dojinchi yaoi that we wound up buying called in these worlds in these words, thank you. As Chris walks by and corrects me, and it was a we, we bought it entirely. Uh, well, we we found that it was available here, translated into English on Amazon. So we bought it. We noticed it entirely on the cover. It was a very striking image of a man holding a skull, 
uh, that looked sort of reminiscent to something you'd find in like Hannibal. And we looked into it, and it's a story. It's a it's a serial killer uh, manga, like all about you know with a little bit of uh, of you know gay sex thrown in there for the hell of it because it's a gallery. So <laughs> like, what, what do you what do you expect? Exactly. But looking into it, the artist is Joe Chen. Uh, what? Yeah, Joe Chen of Runaways co- uh, covers and uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer and a whole bunch of stuff here in the states. Has a dojinshi turned manga series in these words that has been putting out in in Japan and elsewhere. That <laughs> is amazing. Yeah, okay. it's like discovering Christina Strain's um, uh, tea house. Well, tell me, tell me about that a little bit. Tea house is a uh, basically lady porn, <laughs> and it's a book that she and a friend of hers, her friend draws it, and then she colors some of it i would say about half every issue and it's about a um little uh uh, it's a fancy horror place i don't know what what (laughs) it's essentially a brothel Uh, essentially brothel a fancy brothel but it's mostly just dude on dude pretty dude doing it Is that what you classify lady porn as? That is lady porn. Dude on dude doing it. That's that's pretty that, dude. Pretty, it's pretty it's very essential. There's even like there's one chick in there who's mostly just had sparkly boobs in one scene. Uh-huh. But the rest, like even the other ones that look like ladies, are secretly dudes. <gasps> I know. Dun, dun, dun. Lady but boys. I find it, it's very funny to read, but there are girls that flock to this tea house book because it's lady porn. It's young lady porn. <laughs> That's so <funny>. yeah. <laughs> there's there's apparently isn't, isn't Joe Chen? That's a lady too, right? That's not yes. a dude. That's a lady. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there, there is perhaps an entire underground of comic American, creators yeah. that flock to this secret passion of theirs. Yeah, I, the, I guess so. Pretty dude on dude. This is the Sasuke and Naruto of, you know, <laughs> lady porn. Well, the the other thing I found that was non-porn related, although I will get back to... Uh, Why would you bother? I, I know, right? We wound up uh, finding the officially licensed BBC adaptation of Sherlock as a mm. manga. Oh! In Japan. It's never been released here in the States. Yeah, I, I that's that would be freaking gold for like all of Tumblr and they must yeah. be allergic to money. I guess. Yeah, no or the maybe it, it, perhaps it's a licensing uh issue, you know, maybe they yeah. maybe they were tied up in something over there, but the, How disappointing I'd buy this. Yeah, the I mean the art itself is actually very very nicely done and it's a complete adaptation of uh, of the first episode of Sherlock. And I believe the second one just came out over there. And there's no indication that that this is going to wind up making it here at, at any point. Son of a bitch. Yeah. But uh, one other one that uh, manga-wise that I picked up there that you guys would be uh, interested in in particular is we found the next show, Arakawa series, Full Metal Alchemist writer right. and, and artist. But uh, th- this one is, uh, is actually a farming manga. So it will huh. it will more than likely really? yeah it'll never make its way here in the states in any way just because I don't see a market for that at all 
<laughs> Do Japanese farmers wear overalls with the cuffs rolled up and big straw hats? Let's just say yes. Because that that would make me smile. <laughs> that that would make that would make a lot of people smile actually. But yeah, no. Um, the art for it looks really cool, and it's just something that we're never going to wind up getting here. That's that's another one, another one of those series. Yeah, but we did find. Well, you know j- what? They're not going to get Justice League three thousand. Yeah, we're all. Very, or will they? We're all very very sad about that. <laughs> well, that's the, why comics needs to change so that we're more open to that farming manga. Yeah, it's called Silver. Uh, it's called Silver Spoon. The uh, the, the series. Rick Schroeder. <laughs> Yeah, and and I mean the, the everything about it seems cool, and, and there's even an anime over there that, that I don't think we're ever going to wind up getting here. But ah. uh, so so be it. We did find doujinshi places, and uh, these are actual stores devoted to selling doujinshi. So we got Captain America doujinshi while we were over there. Uh, doujinshi, for those of you who don't know, those are just fan comics. Sometimes they can uh, they can be filled with uh, you know porn, and sometimes they're actually Not just good. straight up comics. Most of the ones we got were straight up comics, and we found Supernatural Dungeon. Ah, uh, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what else do you need? And yeah, no, it, it was it was really an eye opening experience uh, being there and experiencing a whole different uh, side of culture that uh, you know I'd been familiar with, but actually being able to uh, to get it firsthand was was pretty awesome. Um, the going to Akihabara and going to Yodabashi Camera. What's great about that is that there's an entire area outside of it devoted to 3DS Street Pass. Those of you who don't have 3DSs, uh, there's a feature built into th- uh, 3DSs where if you walk by someone, uh, you get their me, and you're then able to play mini games with that me. Oh, yes. I remember you guys doing this with Pokemon yes. while we were in New York. Mm-hmm. Yep. And this one, uh, like... Unless you go to a convention, you're not going to get a lot of street passes in the U.S. Like, that's that's really the only place that, that it's going to happen. You're riding the subway in Japan, and you'll just get green lights out the wazoo. Like, there's street pass all over the place, because 3DS are just a lot more prevalent there. But huh. for Yodoboshi for Camera, they have an area devoted entirely to that outside. We passed about 45 people standing outside of this camera shop with their 3DSs, just street passing away. The entire time, so you just sit down and you just let the uh, let the madness come to you. That wow! Was, yeah, I know. We spent about forty minutes there, just just outside of it, just uh, just gathering as many street passes as possible. We got about uh, collecting the mees. Uh, damn right, we got about I think eighteen out of uh, eighteen or twenty different regions of Japan. When we were there, so that was that was pretty awesome. Anything you guys want to ask me about it, or shall we move on? Hmm, about Japan. And he used underwear vending machines. Brent, if you ask me that again, I am going <laughs> to go directly to I Orlando. I want to know if that's a real thing. That's all I want to know. That's, I'm sorry. Why are you obsessed with that out of everything? Because I heard about it, and it sounds really weird and fucked up, and I know they're weird We did not up. see anything while we were there, okay? So I cannot confirm nor deny. We did, however, wind up getting creamed corn soup out of a vending machine. Wow! <laughs> did it give you the bowl, and then you hold the bowl under and dispense it, or did it all come in like a prepackaged thing? No, the way that the way that it works is you can get both hot and cold beverages from vending machines in Japan. Mm. Um, and this was a can of cream corn soup. 
<laughs> that does not sound appetizing, dude. It does not. And I tried it. And it was not. <laughs> but, Here, how about you drink somebody's throw up? Yeah. I have uh, a question. Sure. Because especially Chris went uh, to Japan before, too. Mm-hmm. Is Japan still as much into their manga as they were years ago? Or has that waned to some degree like it has here in the States? With the uh, advent of digital and such. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. It, it, the uh, In general, the industry in Japan is suffering a little bit. Uh, so there is a slight decline over there. I mean, it's still popular, but it's not... I, I guess not as popular as it was, say, five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is on a little bit of a decline, but it's not. It's it's not like it's like a steep drop or anything. It's just sales wise, sales have gone down. Um, right, right. And one of the things that we noticed there as well is that Akihabara used to just be the nerd mecca. Like, you would go there, and it would be all like you know, like video game shops and and manga places, and like buy places to buy toys or whatever. And just like what happens here in the states occasionally. They're they're trying to change the image a little bit, and there are there are actually like outsiders moving into Akihabara to try and change it into something, I guess, more appealing to everybody. Um, hmm. And there does seem to be a little bit of backlash towards that because, again, there aren't many places in Japan where you can just go to and be like, "This is the place you go for this." Right. Um, so, like, even though that there are high rises going up, I don't know how much is actually going to change the the outlook or the appearance of Akihabara in the end, but I'm hoping it doesn't take away a, a, a place for nerds to be nerds in Japan, because that, that I feel like that's something that they do actually really need there. Well, you've got all those neats and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, They need somewhere to go. Oh, yeah. Oh, and arcades, dude. Arcades in Japan are... I, it made me miss arcades in general. Just because they're still a thing, uh-huh. and yeah. it, it's actually mostly claw machines and fighting games. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the new Killer Instinct is out now in a crappy format, but it is out. And watching some of those matches really took me back to my childhood. Mm. Yeah. No. And and they had uh, they had let's see they had Tekken tournament uh, Tekken Tag Tournament two set up uh, in, a, in a whole bunch of places. They're still. Uh, Street Fighter 4 Arcade Edition all over the place and uh, a whole bunch of other Tekken games. But there were a couple of fighting games there that I had never seen before that, you know, probably never make its way over based on uh, anime franchises uh, that looked, yeah. that looked really cool. Um, one of them in, in particular that I wound up playing was sort of a sort of a Guilty Gear-esque game uh, in, in the way that it played. But it was it was a hell of a lot of fun, and I'd I'd love to perhaps see more fighting games like that make its way over here. But also a lot more card based games there, like games yeah. where you buy cards and then have to put the sensor down onto the arcade machine in order to go further in the game. Wow. What? Yeah. So it's 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 getting you to buy cards to then go further into a, into a game that you can only play in arcades. What well, a roundabout way of doing things, but I suppose if it works for them. If it, They're it, really doubling down on the card game stuff. They are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and that has not changed at all in Japan over the past couple of years. Brett, do you have a real question other than other than freaking used panties? Uh, a couple of my Navy guys have gone over there for at the Navy base and basically said that the only way that you can eat is point at a picture and kind of risk uh, what you're getting. 
that's not really true. Okay. No, there are there are actually most of the restaurants we wound up going to were restaurants that also had English uh, menus. Is it English or English? <laughs> there was mostly English. There was a couple of English. Uh, the only real English moment I posted to Facebook at one point, the body sponge that was in our hotel, uh, wh- which told us, you better use this sponge. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> you better but or you else you what? Yeah, no, no. Uh, that It didn't even give us an or else. So it's just like, you better use this sponge. So it just left it out there in the open for us. We don't know what would have happened if we would not use the sponge. Like, like samurais could have come down and just like slice us all up for all we knew. That would hey, be awesome. It could happen, man. That's the whole reason he has to go to Japan. Japanese Kool Aid Man breaks through the wall. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh boy. No, it, it was it was definitely a, an experience uh, going over there and uh, and basically seeing it all for myself because I'd never been overseas before and I very much would like to go back and, and experience more of it. So. We would do. Maybe someday we'll all take a trip. Mm-hmm. Yep. Brent, you got anything else? Nope. In that case, I believe it's just about time to wrap things up. So, Adam and Comfort, uh, give everybody the places that they can find your ass. Well, you can find all stuff, uh, Comfort and Adam, which is actually how we brand ourselves, at comfortandadam.com. Comfortandadam.com, your one-stop shop for all Comfort and Adam needs. Nice. Um, Rainbow in the Dark, the complete saga omnibus edition is now out in finer comic stores everywhere. As well as Amazon. Amazon. And in-stock um, trades. It can be weird to find on Amazon. For some reason, just searching Rainbow in the Dark graphic novel or Rainbow in the Dark comic does not turn it up. But searching Rainbow in the Dark Comfort and Adam does. Hmm. Oddly enough. Check it out. Find us. See us. We'd love to see you. Rainbow in the Dark comic does indeed work. I just I just went ahead and, ch- and checked that Does on, it? on my Amazon. Well, I yeah. think it's getting more people. The more people that go on, the better. And also, to it, yeah. if yep. you like it anywhere, please put a comment either on Goodreads or on Amazon or yes, something like that. Yes, leave us a little review. Even just yes. click us a star ranking. It helps us a lot. Most definitely. And before we wrap things up, I actually want to give a little bit of a preview for what is upcoming in the next couple of episodes of Comic Timing. As you are aware, episode... 150 would be our next episode after this one and we're going pretty uh, pretty heavy we're gonna have a decent amount of people on the call that's because brent and i are going to be joined by whatever cgs crew is available that monday we're going we're basically doing a crossover episode <gasps> yep it'll come out on both feeds so it'll be an episode of comic e speak and it'll be comic timing episode 150 and uh, we're going to be talking teams, our favorite comic book teams, which uh, is actually bringing back to a very early topic that was discussed on Comic Timing uh, back in, I think, uh, like episode 10 or 11 or something like that. So, uh, yeah, we're going to go back to that and have on uh, Jamie and hopefully Adam and Shane and uh, maybe a couple of the other boys and talk about that, maybe give a top five and talk about some of our least favorite teams and stuff like that and that'll be available in mid-january so look forward to that and then after that 151 will be our 2013 wrap-up more than likely with chad burdett and brandon christopher as usual giving our best and worst of the year so look forward to that and uh brent you got any bk's bullets in the uh, pipeline 
Uh, we might have a couple video game episodes over the uh, Christmas holiday season. Nice. So keep on the lookout for those. Fantastic. And if I feel the urge, there'll be a, uh, a comic timing extra point as well. But I want to get Jim on the show proper at some point during 2014. Yeah, he has to read comics again in order to do that. All right. Probably. Well, you know, if we if we plan it ahead of time, we can make that shit happen. Yeah, we could. All right, fantastic. Well, yet again, Adam and Comfort, thanks for joining us, taking some time out of your always busy schedule for joining us, and uh, and we'll definitely talk to you guys soon. Thank you, Ian. It was a lot of fun. All righty. And say hi to Chris for us. I will. The email address for Comic Timing is comictiming at gmail.com. Don't forget to check out the forums for Comic Geek Speak. We always like to pimp them on the show as well at thecomicforums.com. Graciously appreciated for them to keep that up and running. We're proud members of the Comics Podcast Network over at comicspodcast.com and the League of Comic Book Podcasts over at comicbooknoise.com slash league. And you'll find us at facebook.com slash comic timing. That is the main source of comic timing discussion. And give us an iTunes review while you're at it on iTunes. That would be graciously appreciated. So, for Brent, for Adam, and for Comfort, I mean, let us reminding everybody out there that there's always time for comics. Thanks for joining us and uh, hanging in there. Oh, yeah. It was fun. We were drawing the whole time. So I, I, I figured you would. I figured you would. I know you guys well enough to know that that never stops. It never, ever does. <laughs> yeah, no. Cause well, I, we were spending... Yeah, yeah we were... Sorry. Keep talking over each other. <laughs> you've, you've obviously been uh, been peeking at their roadmap for future uh, rape expansion. Right. Rape expansion? No! no. <laughs> In my reading habits lately, <coughs> as I cough, um, in these worlds, in these words, thank you, as Chris walks by and corrects me, the next Show Akawa series, Show Akawa, of course, Full Metal Alchemist writer right. and an artist. Our, God damn it! Terrible! <laughs> 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 <laughs>